Hey, Nate, has the order for the Lando party pack come in? Yes, it has. Got it right here. Let's see. We've got uh, Naboo-style T-shirts. We've got uh, Hoth snow cones. And let's see. Ah, uh, a lightsaber-based party game. What does any of that have to do with Lando? Nothing, but it's the Lando party pack. I mean, how hard would it have been to have, I don't know, like maybe some capes, maybe some one of those little uh, kazoos made out of cloud cars or something? Stuff just kind of makes itself. Who on earth can get this wrong? EA? Oh, yeah, actually, now everything kind of kind of makes sense. My bad. Snow cone? Yeah, give me one. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking cloud. Don't get excited! Welcome back, scoundrels, to another episode of Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast here among the clouds. And I am the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris. And joining me, that other soothing, sensual voice, Nathan P. Butler. Boy, did you get that wrong. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Uh, we are here. Uh, new news just kind of coming fast and furious at this point. Uh, there's a new Fast good? and Furious? No, nothing about Fast and Furious. I mean, there's nothing about you either fast the movie and furious series. News. No gun running to Mexico, nothing like that. No, just it's coming fast and furious. We've got a lot of news. It's all I'm, it's all I'm trying to say. Man. Okay, so, so fast and furious is coming, but we don't currently have any news on that? Yeah, just like the Lando movie is coming. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, that's so funny that, that that's been a thing that's, of course, you can always tell who the, which is just about everyone these days, who the not-so-reputable news sites are when articles like this break. Very much so, especially when you've got, I mean, it's the same kind of thing as, well, I mean, sometimes it's it's a reputable site and they just make a mistake and nobody bothers to check it. Like, like, hey, here's John Favreau talking about his new TV series. It's set seven years after the Battle of Endor, seven years after Return of the Jedi. And you're like, if you just watch the video you just linked us to, <laughs> right. that's not what he says. They don't have and this was a fairly reputable check? site doing it that time. Yeah, it's just, it's getting so bad. Um, do- Hashtag fake news, fake Star Wars news. Do you mind saying which site that was? I think it's, uh, you can at least say that, was it um, Entertainment Weekly? Was that the one who did the that? One for, the one that had the misquote on uh, Favreau? Favreau's, yeah. That was uh, Nerdist. Okay, okay. Well, I, I have well, issues with Nerdist quite I mean, a bit. Among, you know, geek sites, they're relatively well thought of. Yeah, but I don't... Mostly. I, I personally have a lot of issues with how some of their stuff's done. Um, it just it can be frustrating from time to time. But yeah, I'd, usually I would say at least they're, they're facts. I think, you know, they at least try to be meticulous with getting them correct. It's just usually when they throw some opinions in there that I'm like, you shut your face hole. You don't know nothing about Star Wars. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. That's no, I just, I just think somebody misheard the... Just yeah. misheard indoor or misheard Yavin as indoor and and ran with it, but it's the fact that generally sites will start sharing information and spreading information, sharing stories on Facebook, retweeting stuff without actually looking at the source material. I mean, and that's kind of what news has always done. It's just that now it's done, you know, at the speed of of click. 
Right. Because you have all these different tools there. Just like the stuff that Mark and I recently discussed on Star Wars Beyond the Films. If folks haven't heard the last Star Wars Beyond the Films, we went kind of deep and dark when it came to talking about fandom toxicity. Probably the most important, if you want to use that word, uh, podcast episode that I've done in my entire 16 years now as of yesterday in podcasting. Incredibly important topic. Um, but part of what we talked about in there was how, you know, if you want to be a jerk or if you want to be a troll or if you want to be toxic in fandom, the technology tools are there to give you a much wider audience than just angering yourself in the basement anymore. Um, so, you know, I, that news, yes, yeah, there's, there's some fake news out there when it comes to Star Wars stuff or some misreported news, but hopefully the stuff we're going to talk about is all accurate news because we've, you know, been talking about it and looking into it and such. It's not a lot of news, but it's important news. Yeah. He uh, tries to transition. Well, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely. But also, I think that there's where we only have a, a few items. I think that there, we have quite a bit to say about it. So that's just, oh, yeah. that's my opinion. Um, first thing I think we should do is uh, read an email. If that's cool with you. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, so the thing is, I really want to just take a second and uh, thank all the listeners for sending in emails. I mean, it seems like we get one to two uh, between shows now, which is awesome. I, you know, I really appreciate the uh, input from the listeners and, you know, the, the feedback and everything. So uh, thank you guys for, for doing that and, you know, continue to uh, send us stuff so that we can, we can read them. And, of course, that's just at cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Uh, you can also always just reach out to us over at uh, the Facebook page. It's just Cloud City Casino over there. And then, of course, at Cloud City Casino on Twitter. But um, definitely email is the better place because it sends, you know, it's, we have your, your words right there. I can pull them up and read them. Uh, when we do the show so preferably that but if for whatever reason you really would prefer to do the other two we'll certainly try to uh, get those read on the show as well um so do you want to read this one or you want me to hit it i can do it all sure. right all right so this one comes in from jonathan white who says i'm a big fan of star wars and i love to hear you guys on the podcast i've listened to a lot of episodes during work I think you guys are doing a really great job on the podcast. I'm also very excited about the solo movie that I'm going to see on June 2nd, my birthday. I do have a couple of questions to ask. What do you think about the upcoming mobile game Star Wars Rivals? Would it be free or will it cost money? Is it possible there might be a Battlefront 3? Regardless that the original Battlefront 2 is the best. The Star Wars Rivals game looks like a lot of fun for a mobile phone. Uh, you can choose any characters from episodes 1 through 8. Also, you can build a team of who you want out of three, or a team of three, to face off against other opponents online. It seems to be free. I'll download it ASAP because I'm not sure if it'll be worth using money to actually buy it on the phone or buy anything through the, the app. Uh, Star Wars Commander, I think, is one of the best mobile games so far. All right. Well, um, Nate, have you checked out this Rivals game? or Are you familiar with it at all? I have not. I've seen some of the advertisement for it, but for me, if a game... Well, first off, if it's a game that's not going to have much in the way of story, it's hard for me to get a lot of interest in it. Mm -hmm. And in particular, mobile games, that's not generally my thing. Like, I'll play mobile games um, generally if they are card-based stuff. So, uh, Legendary DXP, Shadow Era, um, that kind of stuff, rather than playing 
something more along the lines of something like, say, uh, Star Wars Uprising. And Uprising was a game that I played specifically because it had a story. So like Force Collection and stuff like that, uh, arena-based games and stuff like that. Not really my bag. I mean, it's it looks neat if you're into that particular type of game. It just doesn't happen to be my thing, my cup of calf, so to speak. Do they still call it calf in canon now? Uh, yes, that is one that transferred over fairly quickly. Uh, Refresher was the one that they weren't going to use, and then and Filoni, then they did. Yeah, and Filoni's like, "Screw it, throw it in here. It'll be really funny if uh, AP Five tries to talk to Wedge while he's peeing," and it kind of was. Wow, side topic. <laughs> um, I would say to the other question there, though, about, I guess, two things. It's asking about the uh, the money aspect of a game like uh, that mobile game. I think most mobile games at this point are taking that model for the most part of, hey, do the free download and then have the microtransactions as opposed to actually buying the game at first. That certainly is something that Disney seems to be leaning towards with a lot of their mobile games. Um I don't know. I think that there's something to be said for a complete experience that you just buy once and that's it. Like I love uh, the the Room games, not based on the movie or anything, uh, which you I haven't tell me seen. Why so. But um, the move, the Room is like a, a kind of like an escape room type of thing, sort of, or like a cross between that and like Mist okay. that you can get on mobile phone or on mobile devices, and it's relatively cheap. Uh, like most apps tend to be, but there's no microtransactions or anything like that. You just pay once and you're done. I I kind of lean towards that model because usually as soon as you start adding in the microtransactions, you wind up with grindy systems designed specifically for you to spend money, like what we're going to talk about with Battlefront 2 in a moment. <laughs> um, as for is it possible there will be a Battlefront 3, I, I would say this. Will there be a Battlefront 3? I think the bigger question is will EA keep the Star Wars license? If they keep it, I would say a Battlefront 3 is almost a guarantee. If they lose it over what happened with Battlefront 2 and whatnot, then I don't know if we would see some other publisher try to pick up the Battlefront title and run with it because either they'd be building off of EA's and wind up with all of EA's baggage, or they'd be making yet another reboot of the same named game. Um, I mean, shooter, sure, but would it still be called Battlefront if we were talking about something um, published by, you know, Ubisoft or something? So, I don't know. I mean, as long as it sticks with EA, sure, I think they'll milk it for all that it's worth. Yeah. Uh, well, and and there's also always the possibility of uh, Disney not doing exclusive rights anymore, in which That's case, um, because, I mean, let, let's be honest, the, for the main part... All, all the EA has been doing is the Battlefront games, and they could essentially say, okay, you can continue to make Battlefront games, but if we're going to do something... And the Old Republic. And the Old Republic. Now, do they have Old Republic? I thought they're, that was BioWare. BioWare is... It's BioWare, but it's published through EA. Okay. I did not know that. That's interesting. Um, But... Not too surprising since I've not really ever been a big fan of Old Republic. I love the Knights of Old Republic games, but never really cared too much for the uh, Old Republic. The Memorpha. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyhow, I mean, I, I think that's a possibility. It's it's just interesting right now at how, well, just Star Wars in general, how little info we're getting. Um just in general you know what i mean like it's 
their big thing is what was the last big announcement that we got prior to the ones that we're going to talk about in the show. The only thing I can think of is where they were like, oh, we have like the director of photography. Check it out. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, they really haven't been announcing much. And it's really kind of a shame because, I mean, we we want to know what's coming up. And mm-hmm. we've had years recently where there was little to no Star Wars games actually released beyond mobile games. And it seems like we're still in that kind of weird uh, drought. Although I would note here as a side note for those who are interested in uh, console games for Star Wars and the difficulties of getting them actually out there to the public, um, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, a book about the making of high-profile, in some cases low-profile, but mostly high-profile video games and the trials and travails that go with that, has a fascinating chapter on uh, the rise and demise of Star Wars 1313 at the end of that book. So if you haven't checked that out, you might be uh, interested in looking at it. That is all pre- well, it's not all pre-EA, but it's it, it certainly is a story that started pre-EA um, and then eventually gets into how EA looked at the project and looked at Star Wars as in, in terms of going forward with what they want to do. Um, but it gives you a little bit of an insight into this idea, but it seems like they're playing it very close to the chest. That or there's just nothing to talk about, right. which I'm, I'm honestly not sure which is worse, that there's something coming and they're very tight-lipped about it. Or so there's a lack of transparency or there's just nothing in the cards right now beyond what little has trickled out. Kind of concerning. (laughs) Right. Right. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll, we'll just go ahead and, I mean, is there anything else to hit on that? I, uh, no, although I would, I would be curious of your thought on whether you prefer free mobile games with grindy systems because of microtransactions versus mobile games with no microtransactions but that you do have to pay up front on. What's your, what's your preference if you have one? Oh, e- easily pay up front. Easily. I, hmm. okay. Because here's, here's why. The, the grindy aspect nonsense is not designed to let me make this um, in, in just a, a normal progression, but we'll have essentially a pay, a paid easy mode for people that want that, and that's where we'll make our money. No, the what they do is they set a system that's not so overly hard that it's the only way to do it. Typically, sometimes that's not the case, um, but is just hard enough that they contempt uh, you know even the average person to spend at least some money um and i I think that that actually ruins the game um you know the the gaming uh gosh my words are failing me right now um experience experience there we go oh god i'm a dummy uh so yeah i mean i think that that ruins the gaming experience when they factor in how to you know how the gameplay should go with these microtransactions or or you know with this grind system of of just how much grind should we put in there because it and most of the time it's not an aspect of difficulty it's an aspect of patience Mm -hmm. and that can be kind of annoying if you just want to play the game and it's like, nope, you, you've got to wait till tomorrow when all your crystals will build up again or whatever. That can be annoying. It's like, yeah, but I want to play the game now. Well, you can buy crystals right now for 99 cents or something. You know, it's like, just don't don't do that. So I hear you. I hear you. I would ask, add one other thing, I guess, um, to that, which is um, 
Speaking of, you know, EA and looking ahead to new Star Wars games as we're sort of wrapping this topic up, um, I would point EA to, hey, what's one of the most critically acclaimed games of this year so far that was recently out that's getting rave reviews? God of War. Gosh, I wish people cared about solo stories anymore. <laughs> now, when you say solo stories, you mean like Han Solo or you mean like... No, I mean like, like solo single player right. story type games. Or, or uh, God of was... War is fantastic and has been getting rave reviews. And that's mm -hmm. exactly the kind of game that according to EA, nobody wants anymore. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Uh, right off the bat, do you know who, who the publisher for God of War is? God of War is done by uh, Santa Monica Studio and is published actually through Sony. It's a right. Sony exclusive and and through Sony itself. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Just like just like talking about single player games, just like the upcoming highly anticipated Detroit Become Human. It's pretty much an entirely story based game. It's not even an action game. It's like a story based thing, like Heavy Rain was or Beyond Two Souls was. Extremely highly anticipated. Another Sony exclusive because it seems like Sony's one of the only companies out there actually saying, "Hey, let's push this stuff." And when you're looking at multi-platform, that's not Sony. So you wind up with you know situations like an EA saying, "Oh, well, those single-player experiences, huh? That Horizon Zero Dawn that everyone loved, pa, an anomaly. God of War, pa, an anomaly. You get enough anomalies, it's no longer an anomaly." Right. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you, but... Okay, so, on with the news. Right. So, we just got an announcement, uh, it'd be yesterday when we were recording this, uh, that they they finally stated when and where Celebration 2019 will be. Woohoo! So, uh, when Celebration Anaheim wrapped up, they everyone thought, oh, okay, you know, because they always do a, a wrap-up panel. And that's usually when they announce the the. Upcoming. I mean Orlando, right? What did I say? Anaheim. When, you said Anaheim. I'm sorry. I think I know where you're going with this, so I'm assuming you meant Orlando. <laughs> right. So uh, at Orlando, when they announced it, we were expecting them to say, "Oh, it's going to be." Everyone actually expected them to say, "Oh, coming 2019 to Anaheim." But they go coming to 2019. Sometime, somewhere, you know, and they didn't give any more info. And we're like, well, we know that because it's always every other year. And it's always, um, you know, overseas in that in-between period. Uh, the weird thing is that they didn't do so for this year, you know, 2018, there is no celebration. So um, typically there's a celebration every single year. Wait, wait, wait. Let me enter my internet troll mode, okay? Uh -huh. okay, okay. That's because with new Star Wars, there's nothing to celebrate. Okay, continue. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, so anyhow, that um, they they chose to to take some time off for whatever reason, uh, possibly to recalibrate the um, the whole system and, and make sure that as Star Wars is because that that is the thing. Uh, Star Wars is very popular right now, whereas you know prior to Anaheim. It was kind of dormant, and you know the the situation is that uh, you know I don't I'd have to look at back and see what the numbers were, but I know they weren't anywhere near what they were for uh, um, celebra celebration last year in Orlando, which was seventy thousand. 
Yeah, the more popular it gets, the bigger it gets, and that's not just a matter of how crowded it might be. We're talking venue size, security, parking. I mean, there's a lot of cons- consideration that has to go in when you have something like this where the size is just constantly increasing because of popularity of the of the product. You can't always just use the same venues you've used before because they may not fit anymore. Right. Right. So So where is this one? So they announced that it will be in Chicago. Who? At which uh was predicted by nobody. <laughs> nobody. That 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 is true and it uh runs from my wife and I's anniversary uh to tax day. It's April 11th through 15th, 2019 in Chicago. Uh no word yet on tickets going on sale from what I understand, correct? Um, I, I don't believe it. So what I've been hearing is that it, it, it'll be, I think like within the next, essentially within the next five weeks, I think is what I heard. But okay. I, I don't know if that is, um, something that was maybe stated or, or hinted at, or if that is basically speculation based on previous years. Gotcha. I, I do have my own speculation about the initial, um, ticket sales though. Um, I, I think we'll be seeing a premium package that gives you passage for the entire weekend, gets you a collector's booklet type of thing and a little bag to put your stuff in. Uh, and then this time you pay a little extra because you can always pay a little extra for like the T-shirts and stuff. I think this time it's going to be a Kevlar Jedi robe to fit the theme of holding it in Chicago. <laughs> I actually have already I seen. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Everybody keeps saying, that's not fair. Okay. Get your crime rate down. Get your Get your gun violence rate down and then I'll stop laughing every time somebody says something's in Chicago. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, I've, I've already seen the, uh, the flat jackets with celebration, uh, 2019 stamped on them. So, Ooh, I still got my Darth Maul jacket from celebration one back in the day. Uh, I wonder if I could get that just Kevlar lined. <laughs> I don't think that's how Kevlar works. But, oh, that, that's that's probably true. <laughs> it's ceramic, though, right? So, like, maybe I could just make some pots and like stick some pieces in the pockets. No. Okay, maybe not. So, okay, so it's Chicago. We know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, we will not be going because even if we were interested in going, and by uh, we, you mean you and Jody? At, yeah, me and Jody, right? Uh, well, it would be me. That's the thing. It would be if we went. It would be me and Jody and. Cade right now. that's true yeah. because we're talking about next year um even if we didn't have a newborn to contend with our experience at the previous one left us kind of meh so if we were to do one again we're probably looking at doing one it would be a while from now it would certainly not be the next one and it would certainly not be traveling all the way from atlanta to chicago for it so this one this one was kind of a non-issue for us i think it's funny that they you know for me it's always just funny when they pick chicago um for anything and it, it, yeah, although oh, if you're a if you're a really good hockey player and you go to Chicago for um for a celebration, uh, may I ask you please to stay because the Blackhawks, our favorite team, uh, need all the help they can get now. <laughs> uh, but so but for us it was like a non-issue. It's like oh that's cool. So I guess that's where it's going to be. But not like a woohoo it's Chicago or an oh no it's Chicago thing because for us it's a non-issue. We weren't going to go. I'm assuming. Since the first thing I heard about this earlier today from you was, well, we're looking into to hotels, is that you're planning on going, right? Yeah, I mean, it was never a question. Uh, okay, so <laughs> how does the fact that it's Chicago instead of, say, Orlando or Anaheim, how does that affect you in terms of, because I think this is something that will affect many people in terms of, of planning the actual 
trip itself? Like, does this significantly change um, pricing of any kind for you from what you can tell? Does it change um, your planning as far as days off or anything to be able to do it? Like, how does the Chicago location alter the planning aspect of the experience, not necessarily the experience while you're there? Okay, so lots uh, lots with that. Uh, first off, uh, let, let me let me back up a little bit. So just you know, table that, and uh, if if I forget or whatever, remind me to come back to it. Because the thing that I wanted to to make note of is the fact that it's in Chicago, uh, right? It, like and I people said, were saying, watch out for the snow. It's in April. <laughs> you can sometimes see that happen in Chicago, but it's extremely unlikely. So no, it's not a snow thing. Uh, right. Well, first off, I want to say I'm actually kind of happy about that because Anaheim wasn't too bad. Anaheim was actually pretty nice. Uh, Orlando was really hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was sweltering in Orlando when you're waiting outside in those lines. Right. So, so hey, there's a, a bonus. But it's, it's just – it's very interesting because everyone – you could pretty much say if you took a poll, at least my uh, um, – anecdotal data that uh, I received uh, over this last year, everyone had pretty much assumed that it was going to be in Anaheim. And those who thought that, you know what, it might not be in Anaheim said, well, maybe they're going to do it in Orlando again. Um, and, and the reason why, and, and I've, I've heard this basically since Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm that, uh, um, you know, well, celebration is going to be in one of those two locations every year from here on out because, of course, they want to get the extra money of the the Disney parks, which is sound because if I go, I'm also going to Disney. <laughs> you know, I've I've done it both years, but this year in Chicago, there's nothing like that. So ah, uh, so for so it that. That's a heck of a lot of. I mean, it's it's a different experience, but that's a lot of cost that you're saving then. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you uh, straight up because you know the thing is, if uh, hotel rooms uh, were exactly, you know, if it was the same cost for hotel rooms, uh, which I'm not 100 percent sure on, I, c I can't verify one way or the other. But if that were the case, yeah, you don't add the extra cost of the, um, you know, of, of Disney and and everything that is involved in that. So yeah, that, that is a bit safe there, but I, I just kind of find it interesting because of course, as everyone has been saying for even before star Wars, but now, especially since star Wars, we've been hearing star Wars fans say that, you know, Disney's this evil, greedy corporation that only cares about money. And so they'll take every opportunity they can to squeeze an extra dime out of you. So for that evil company, that doesn't make sense. What's what's their angle? What's their end game, Nate? Of moving it to Chicago? <laughs> uh, uh, I, 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 un, unless they're thinking that the fan base for these celebrations is too large and they need the uh, the threat of of being shot to keep you. I'm no, no, no. Actually, I I don't see an angle. I don't see an angle <laughs> right? for this one. unless it's just. I mean, unless it really does come down to basically just needing a venue from a size standpoint that would fit. I mean that. The convention center for Orlando was a pretty decent size, um, but we were all still kind of packed in there like sardines to some oh, degree. Well, or it, space star sardines. 
So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a bigger venue in Chicago yes, for this. Absolutely. Um, and as you mentioned, weather patterns probably better. And honestly, there's a part of me that just says change of pace. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that that used to be interesting about celebration was you never quite knew where it was going to be. And because of that, each time it sort of let different groups of fans congregate together. You had the people like you who would go regardless. Right. But depending on what coast it was in, you know, is it maybe in Indianapolis this year or whatever, you had the ability to actually bring people together where people who maybe could only travel within, say, a day's distance driving now have the ability to go to it who wouldn't have been able to go to it if it was, say, Anaheim or Orlando or something like that. So the idea of moving it to a different place, I actually really like. Um, it is kind of an interesting, though, con- you know, interesting concept whenever you think of it in terms of Disney's being able to you know, connect it to people going to the parks, unless – you know, maybe what we were seeing was less attendance at Star Wars events at Disney when they weren't connected to Celebration because people were trying to do Celebration and Disney at the same time. Like maybe it's to separate out the two different Star Wars experiences so that people who would pay to go to both will. But otherwise, I don't really see much of an angle that they to pursue with this. It's certainly not trying to push people to other Disney parks at this point. Unless that's where you're connecting flight is through or something. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's there's really, there's no end game as far as making more money. Um, it's really more, it's really more about making it more uh, appealing to the, the attendees. Because, you know, the situation is, yeah, it's going to be cooler. And there's a much larger venue. And uh, another thing, uh, shout out to Bruce, because I've been kind of discussing everything. I've been looking at the hotels and all. And um, he was saying, he's like, look, he's like, the transportation uh, in Chicago is amazing. He's like, he's like, you can, he goes, you don't have to get something right there. Because everybody's trying to get the Hyatt. Because the the Hyatt Regency Mm -hmm. is, I believe, connected to the um oh gosh i can't think of the convention center right now but anyhow that convention center like mccormick or something like that yeah that's it yeah mccormick it's the west building uh just to give that information but so uh, with that that's sort of connected to it so everybody's trying to get there and yeah that's definitely convenient no matter where you are you know if you can basically stay at the convention center well that's optimal but the thing is, what like Bruce was saying is, you can essentially get uh, a hotel that's further out and is right next to one of the the train depots, and then you can just go hop right on the train and then take it in, and in like five minutes you'll be at the convention center. Oh yeah, yeah. Chicago's, from what I understand, Chicago's transportation system, just all the things I heard about it living in in Indiana for so long, it's. I mean, it puts the stuff around here that. That we're familiar with in the Atlanta area to shame big time. Oh, well. Which, I mean, granted, it's not very hard. It's like valedictorian of summer school, but still. Yeah, I was, I was about I mean, to it's, say. It's going to be a better experience. You won't need to drive as much um, at the Chicago one. I mean, I know people come in for Dragon Con and they still don't trust MARTA to it, so they're still driving in congested Atlanta, you know. Um, well, Mar- Chicago well, is a – the infrastructure from that perspective is a, is stronger. So now that we're, you know, talking – infrastructure policy or something and have gone that far afield 
<laughs> well, I mean, actually, and, and I want to kind of continue on that just, just to, for a second. I, I want to actually make clear, in my opinion at least, and, and I feel like it's pretty valid, uh, Marta, as far as getting on Marta, taking Marta and everything, which is, you know, as Nate just said, that's the Atlanta uh, transportation system. I actually think it's pretty nice. I, I think that uh, it's convenient. It's very useful. Uh, it's cheap. And it's kept up pretty well. What is bad about MARTA is how limited it is. Yeah, it doesn't really go much of anywhere in a mm. gigantic metro area. I mean, there's basically two tracks. Unless you want the buses. Well, yeah, but even even still... Um, and, even and the, those don't go very far. Right, yeah. right. So if you're trying to uh, essentially get from outside the perimeter to anywhere inside the perimeter, it's going to be frustrating. I mean, I, I essentially... Mm-hmm. Because uh, I used to would take it for convenience sake, but then I realized I'm like, I can actually get to because you know I take it down for Dragon Con every year, and I was like, it's taking me the exact same amount of time to get to the the station. You know, it takes me about thirty minutes to get down into Atlanta, or it takes me about thirty minutes to get over to the station and then take that to, um, you know, take that into Atlanta from there. So it's it actually takes more time, and mm-hmm. the only convenience factor is that I save money on parking because it's you know the 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 price of the uh, Marta ticket is way less than the price of the daily parking, right. but mm, that stopped being worth it very quickly. So you know basically I, I just wanted to say no it's it's not that the actual Marta system itself it's not like it's a you know, we're running on old worn out buses that are breaking down constantly or, you know, that the, the rails are all busted up or anything like that, or, you know, nothing breaks down or whatever. It's, it's well-maintained. It's just way too small. We're just basically saying Chicago is X-Wing. Atlanta is Armada Mm. is basically what we're saying. Sure. If, if size and scope uh, for their transportation systems. No, no. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's just how you look at that metaphor. Cause, I tried. Well, I tried. yeah, because I'm just afraid that people are going to think larger with Armada, but uh, it, it, think more in, in uh, expansion, you know, expansions versus uh, size rather than, you know, the actual size of the ships. Anyhow, let's, uh, <laughs> I, I know what you're doing. You're trying to segue there and I appreciate it. I was trying it, to segue there because I, but I was wanting to make sure that you had a chance to get all of the uh, points in that you needed to make so you could get your pay from Marta. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, man, I just I, do what people said whenever, you know, when people said that, uh, Mark and I were shills for Disney because we dared to like more than just legends. My bad. All right, so um, speaking of Atlanta and news and things that are coming soon and reasons why I dropped the F-bomb on you earlier. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Um, That wasn't very nice. (laughs) Um, That's a good transition there. So uh, Solo comes out next week. My wife and I, um, we were actually – she was in the hospital on May the 4th, and uh, while we were there, we still made it a point. In fact, she was the one who thought of it. Um, to go ahead and get us our solo tickets. So we're going to see it the night of the 24th, which to us is like, you know, hey, it's early, right? Because the release date's the 25th, and we're seeing it the night before. But no, then Michael decides to go out and has an opportunity to see it like a week plus early. Um, So having now seen Solo, Michael, um, first off, how did you see it? But then second, without spoiling anything, uh-huh. what did you think and what do you think people's reaction is going to be? Will this be 
divisive like The Last Jedi? Um, will this be just potentially like mostly positive, mostly negative? Uh, how'd you see it? What'd you think? All right. So number one, I got to see it uh, by going to the press screening, which was held Monday. Uh, so it'd be basically last week for anyone listening to this. Uh, they did a press screening down at Atlantic Station in Atlanta. And uh, so I got to go for that. As far as what do I think people are going to think of it? Um, I've, I've said this in, in a few places um, online, and, and I really do think this is going to be the case. It's going to break the internet. There is a scene in, in Solo that no one would actually see coming. No one's guessing this. It makes sense, but it you might as well guess that essentially like the Ghostbusters make a cameo. <laughs> like it's, So this is so this is the scene where Lando and Han hook up then. Um n- n- no. Uh it would be about as I don't know. As as internet breaking? Yeah, I mean, in in a lot of fashions, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I, I so it's... so you said it'll break the internet, but mm-hmm. what does that mean? Like, does does it just mean it's controversial? And it's going to cause people to talk, or are we talking about divisive? What does break the internet in this context mean, without spoiling anything? Yeah, so it's 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 kind of hard to to do that. So I may just kind of cause more confusion, but I'm definitely not going to uh, spoil it. But so I'll, I'll try my best to explain. Um, with as limited, uh, you know, verbiage as, as I'm able to use, because of course, like I said, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. But uh, basically, there's something that happens in this film, and I'll say that if you are pretty much, I think, if you're listening to this podcast um, or you know any Star Wars podcast, they did something specifically for you. Um, real fan service, basically, not like, oh, hey, here's Panda Baba. Um, but they do, they did something for you. And it's also something that really hasn't been done in uh film before, even like say the Marvel movies, which does a lot for, uh, you know, breaking ground, for instance, like with, uh, infinity war that, that just came out, you know, that's the first time that we've had not just a team up film, but an actual, uh, cross universe, um, you know, crossover basically. So this is actually, they're doing something that even Marvel hasn't done. And I think that it's now, and, and now this may be my own reading into it, but I, I feel like it's, it's pretty, I feel pretty confident with it. But I think that with that, they're showing us a direction that they're going to be taking soon with the Star Wars franchise. So interesting. Mm-hmm. That's 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 extremely vague and right. Confusing, yeah, like but I, I guess said, we will know what it means <laughs> soon. Right. So, so you're not. Uh, yeah, so you're not thinking of that's... it in terms of it's going to be something divisive. You're thinking more of it's just sort of a. Well, I do. It's think, a great. Well, I do think there's going to be a divisive element because the thing about Star Wars, and I hate to I hate to talk like this, but there there is a there are levels of you know as much as we oftentimes will say oh you know there's everybody's a Star Wars fan you you don't like. Uh, quantify someone's fandom, right? Uh, there are the more you know casuals, essentially, people who really like Star Wars. If a Star Wars movie comes out, they're they're going to go see it, but they're not necessarily going to have it in their purview 
in the same way that, like I said, people like that would listen to this podcast would. Right. I mean, does that does that seem fair right. to say? Yeah. I don't. Like there's, I said, di- there's different intensities of fandom. Right. You could say. Right. And like I said, I don't want to, you know, uh, try to lessen anyone's fandom or anything like that. But essentially, you know, that's the case. Well, those people are going to be confused. And lots of times huh. when, when people are confused, their reaction is anger. Gotcha. So that's that's interesting. So something that's very fan servicey, but that will also potentially confuse people who aren't as heavily into yeah. it. That's and, yeah, and I don't want to say anymore because honestly, that, and that, that's in the film itself. <laughs> like we're not talking about like they're not doing post credit scenes in Star Wars films now or anything weird like that. No, like, no Tony that, Stark or, or a Nick Fury showing up at the end of Iron Man or something. We're talking about something that's actually in the film itself, right? Right. Uh, and when the the credits start to roll, you can leave, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, it's thank God. I, I don't. I don't ever want to see them do that. That just, you know, I think it works fine for um, how Marvel does their storytelling, but this isn't Marvel. This is Star Wars. So don't do that, you know? Um, so, uh, like I said, I, I don't want to say anymore because I'm afraid that there's, it's too easy to even start putting things, even if you're, because I don't see anyone just guessing this. Um, but even still, I think it may give, uh, a little more info than maybe some people would like. Um, so, so like I said, I want to stop right there with it. But I can tell you that I actually posted uh, on Twitter to <laughs> a lot of uh, shocked but positive reaction. Um, I posted my new ranking system. And Solo is now ranked, taking all of the live-action Star Wars films, Solo is ranked number three. Wow. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Well... That that's it's giving us certainly things that we can talk about in our next episode mm-hmm. and uh, things to look forward to for for next week as of the time we're recording this. Now I'm 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 very interested in what this might be. Yeah, and but w- I'm not going to ask, so it's okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're uh, like I said, we'll we'll definitely uh, hit this up and and talk about it. I mean, yes, we're a gaming podcast, but all of this, you know, the the films came first essentially uh, i mean i guess technically the novelization did but it was a novelization of said film so the films are what uh came first so that's you know we we gotta talk about it it you know maybe not spend the entire episode on it but we we certainly want to hit those things up and, and i'm assuming you know just just spoil me here but i'm assuming that han and chewie and lando don't die right Oh man! So there's the whole quantum realm thing. I can't really get into. No, no. Oh, <laughs> oh. So that. So Indiana Jones shows up because it's alternate realities. Cool. So you know um, the aliens in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh no 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 no. And no, then no. and then of course ET. It's all connected. It's no. I'm I'm screwing around. It's all connected. <laughs> Han Solo is gonna slit. He's gonna swing on a vine over a sea of CGI whatever the Star Wars equivalent of ants are. Okay, (laughs) so speaking of Solo, Uh um, this was supposed to be a big week uh, because this was the week that the season of Solo launched for Battlefront 2. Battlefront 2, for those who have been, if you're listening to this podcast, you surely already know, um, but Battlefront 2 went to this model of free content updates instead of DLC packs so as not to split the audience uh, and not have you paying for an overpriced season pass and things like that and instead they're using microtransactions as a way to try to fund this extended model and we had our first season which was season of the last Jedi it rolled out over the span of a few weeks gave us 
quite a bit of new content, new story content, gave us new maps, uh, and so on and so on. We talked about that in depth before. So the Solo update didn't really get nearly as much hype as the Last Jedi update did. Uh, it kind of came out without a lot of fanfare. And as of right now, that was probably a good idea because there's not really a whole lot to it at this point. Um, what they've done is it's part of a game update that launched on May 16th, and, which is yesterday as of the time that we're recording this. And basically, um, you've got the Jabba's Palace map or something very similar to the Jabba's Palace map from Battlefront 1 has been brought into the game. Uh, Ewok Hunt, which is a little thing that we thought was going to be temporary, which is kind of cool, where you play as a set type of stormtrooper amidst a bunch, and as you get as the stormtroopers are killed by Ewoks, they respawn as Ewoks until there's hopefully enough stormtroopers left standing to make it to an escape shuttle or the Ewoks win, which is kind of cool. That appears to have been made basically permanent. They have reorganized the menu system. Um, they have made it so that the holographic effect that people were kind of annoyed with on the menu system is now gone, so it looks crisper, it looks cleaner. Um, they've added a new mode called Hero Showdown, which is a heroes versus villains type of thing, except as you play, it's just you and one other person on your side versus two people on the other side. And as you are going up against the other side, um, you're having to constantly choose new heroes as they're being picked off one by one, essentially, um, which is an interesting new mode, but essentially a variant on uh, the heroes versus villains game. And they have tweaked the uh, the single player and co-op stuff to now allow you to use that mode to play different starfighter variants, which is cool. Um, but really the biggest thing that they hyped up, uh, aside from Jabba's Palace coming back, for this update, at least for this initial update, was uh, two new character skins, new appearances that have been brought into the game, which is the Tamtil Screed Skiff Guard disguise for Lando, which is sort of, I guess, connected to solo because it's lando but well i will I mean so I, I will say this um because i guess have you have you been paying i, I guess you've seen the this, i guess there's one trailer that's out there that shows right. somebody with that outfit like in the background i guess within right so i, I wouldn't say anything but that is so in the trailer it, so yeah so it's kind of connected but it's still the skin is still old lando not young lando in that kind of gear um and then we have the leia skin uh which is bush gear um which now i guess we know the canonical way she got it uh in legends it was seen in shadows of the empire now we see it in forces of destiny um but i mean that was essentially the bulk of what it was and when you look at their schedule for what's coming up um they have a schedule that's up all the way up through june 1st and it says may 16th we have a new PvP mode, Hero Showdown. New PvE mode, Starfighter Custom Arcade. New location, Jabba's Palace, or reused location, whatever. And then everything else from there up until June 1st is nothing but weekend or daily challenges. There's no new listing of any new content dropping. So hopefully what that means is we're going to see new content drop on June 2nd. But up to June 1st, it's nothing but challenges and what we got yesterday. And I got to be honest, one... It's one, it seems very lackluster to me. Um, but then again, the initial week for Last Jedi was also fairly weak. It was the second week or the next iteration that actually started bringing more stuff in. Um, it seems relatively weak. It doesn't really seem like it's connected to the solo film pretty much at all to me. 
Um, uh, again, unless Jabba's palace appears in the film, which you and I talked about before the show to confirm yes or no, but I don't want to spoil anything on the show itself. Um, uh, we saw in the in that one TV spot, so presumably the armor shows up, but that's older Lando. Leia getting a new skin seems to have nothing at all to do uh, with Lando, and it's just it seems like or nothing at all to do with Lando. Nothing at all to do with Solo. It's even I'm thinking of it as the Lando film, um, but it's just it's it's like there's not really much meat there, and to add insult to injury, because mm-hmm. actually I think the update with the game balance, especially between heroes. And the facelift they gave to the main menu and everything, that actually is a really nice quality of life improvement. I mean, it, it really was a solid update if it wasn't the update that was supposed to start the season of Solo. It's the whole season of Solo thing that is lackluster. Gotcha. Um, but if you go in uh, – remember, they've done this new microtransactions thing. They've updated it, folks, and we've talked about this before. But as of right now, the options are fairly limited, and I don't think we've had a chance to talk about how it was actually implemented yet. I think the last time we recorded was right as it was being brought in. But you have your appearances, and for certain types of troopers on the heroic side, you can choose different appearances like a Nikto instead of a human. Um, relatively limited options with those, um, some of which are rare. Okay, And a rare appearance will cost you basically in credits, the in-game currency that you just earn by playing or in your 500-at-a-time daily crates. Um, it's going to run you 20,000 credits. For this new head, basically. And of course, if you're if you get a Nikto head for the rebellion, you're also gonna have to unlock a Nikto head for the resistance, because of course they're different, even though they look exactly the same headwise. Um, and then some of your heroes have new appearances that you can buy, and some of them don't. It just kind of depends on which hero it is. Like a Maul doesn't, but say Yoda does, uh, Luke does, and so on. And up until this update came out, the most expensive of those was what was referred to as Epic. And that's what Lando's new costume, the Tamtil Screech costume, or his Baron Administrator, I think, costume uh, from Empire is for the game. And those, if you spend credits in-game for them, that is 40,000 credits. Or you could speed that up by buying some crystals through real money and microtransactions where it'll run you basically the equivalent of $10. Now, $10 for a friggin' character skin is mind-blowing to me. But wait, there's more. Because with Leia's new costume, which also involved new voice uh, acting, I guess, being done, because it does have uh, the the uh, UB's language being spoken, so it's not just the same old Leia audio being played over and over again. The, this yeah, is oh, now... Yeah, oh. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it, more or less, yeah. Uh, a wetto, which apparently mm-hmm. means thermal detonator, um, which is the only I think line of hers that I know. But uh, her new skin is now a legendary level. Yes, legendary is more than epic apparently, um, but legendary and costs eighty thousand credits. So you know if you're barely playing and you're just doing those daily crates, well. Don't ever count on getting it. That's 160 days worth of daily crates. Or you could just spend some money on some crystals and get it. Mm-hmm. It only costs you the equivalent of $20 in crystals for one character skin. Um, so while I think they're cool new costumes to have added, 
their pricing system is all out of whack. It's yeah. we're talking about a pricing system that's as broken as the game was in that initial pre-launch week where they fixed it before the official launch because the cost of unlocking heroes was ridiculous. Now the cost of these new skins are ridiculous, but the ridiculousness goes from, eh, that's kind of ridiculous for just a head, but eh, whatever, it's just a head, to the, oh my god, you want to get me to say screw it and spend 20 real-life dollars on an effing character skin. Um, right. EA Dice has lost their minds. Yeah. And that, to me, that I was going to jump in and play it. Um, uh, it's, it's the end of the school year. My wife is on bed rest right now, at least for a little bit from uh, uh, the pregnancy and all. So it's not like I'm going to have a lot of time to stream anyway. But the only thing that was drawing me back to Battlefront, other than just to see what's new, was streaming in the first place. And I thought this would be the update to get me back to play a little bit more like Last Jedi season did. And so far, not so much. And seeing that I... I don't even want to spend the – even if I had the credits, I wouldn't want to spend the credits to unlock Leia's new costume because it pisses me off how expensive they made it. Um, what the hell is EA doing at this point? Are they trying to kill the game? And some have said that they're moving people off of the game so they actually are meaning for it to wind down. And if so, congratulations, EA. You're succeeding. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just – with all of the, well, they're going to build that goodwill back up. How? Right. How did they come out with the initial season of Solo this lackluster and with character skins that cost you 20 MFing dollars? How? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's frustrating. Um, it, it just, it makes me wonder, do they have a, you know, is there something that they see that we don't see? And, you know, hey, they're, they are actually good uh, business people and, and they know what they're doing. Or are they just that, um, you know, disconnected? I, I... Do, you think, do you think there's just a lot of, so in, in gaming terminology, whales out there, the people out there that are going to spend a ton of cash on a game so, you know, where it doesn't really matter if everybody spends cash as long as the whales continue to spend cash, it'll be a, a decent funding model. Do we... Do you think maybe there's just that many whales out there that we don't recognize are out there for Battlefront 2 that so 20 bucks for a costume makes sense? So I'm I'm no expert in this, but from what I have heard from people who I guess, you know, at least seemingly are, are more uh, educated on the matter than myself, apparently whales where yes, they are a big source are also always the first ones to jump off. Really? So, yeah. So they're probably gone by now. Right. Or at least a, a fair number of them. Yeah. If if that is true. Um, and like I said, this this person, uh, I have no reason to believe that they wouldn't know what they're talking about. So, yeah, if if there's no one to, to do that, then you're, I mean, that that's problematic because you're now actually wasting money because you've now set, you've set the, the price higher than the demand. Um, you know, so, so no one's purchasing it and then, uh, or, or at least I'll say, um, but they're purchasing it only with credits. If they have them in game, they're not spending real money to buy a $20 costume potentially. But if it's, uh, you know, if it's so difficult to do, then, uh, frustration may set in and there's no, you know, people just stop playing altogether. So, you know, we, is, we've yeah. talked about. <laughs> We've talked about how it seems like sometimes EA has a disconnect with reality and the franchise. Right. Right. 
It makes me imagine somebody sitting in the EA office whenever they, they put up the new costumes going, Captain, there be whales here! <laughs> and then, you know, that's that's supposed to be funny because that's Star Trek and it's not understanding the franchise. Never mind. No, you're, you're good. I just don't particularly... No, somebody's going to be like, by that time, it was Admiral, not Captain, there be whales here. Thank you very much. Oh, well... My both, bad. Both you and that person get a, a warning. <laughs> that, that, that one person. Mm-hmm. Well, just because I, um, you know, e- even getting your point, I don't like Star Trek talk on this show. So Oh, that's just... <laughs> hey. Um, so, so, okay, so cost aside, uh-huh. um, what do you think because I certainly bloviated there for a second. What do you think of um, two-on-two hero matches, um, giving a Starfighter uh, as something we can do in Arcade, um, and bringing back the Jabba's Palace map, the other stuff that they did uh, with this update? Um, do One, good thing, bad thing. Um, and then two, where's the solo? <laughs> well, I mean... I think that just all of this shows that, to me at least, this looks like they are putting in the uh, absolute minimum effort uh, at this point because they don't find it to be. Um, they don't find it. The, the game's essentially no longer profitable or as profitable as they would like it to be. Um, well, hell, the game itself, if you go to, like, Amazon and you want to buy a copy of the base game on PlayStation 4, you know how much it costs you? One dollar more than the Leia skin. <laughs> right. It's, it's a $20 game, basically, at this point, um, depending on the platform that you're playing on. They're, mm-hmm. Surely the profit margins have... I mean, and, and that's what happens with most big games, right? I mean, big games are going to make most of their profit within the span of the first month or so of release, and then after that, you've got to have some of the revenue stream, otherwise you can't justify ongoing support so maybe you think maybe the fact that they went so long with the microtransactions removed have just put them in a point where it's just not fiscally viable to to keep it going so now it, it has to be bare minimum because otherwise it just can't be funded yeah, i mean I, I think yeah i think that there's it's a situation of if i had to guess what this looks like to me is a situation of them saying um let's pull back our resources um you know so we can cut cost and, but rather than them doing a like a blowout sale type of deal, they're instead um, hiking the prices in hopes that you know what, let's just throw a line out there. Maybe we'll you know maybe we'll get lucky a few times. You know may, maybe there's still some people who will uh, bite down on this and it'll be enough to uh, make it worth it. Which mm-hmm. I, I've. I would say is ridiculous, but here's the thing, though. If the player base is that small, it may actually be more beneficial. Um, because if the player base is has dwindled uh, that much, and you know, it may be a situation where the math is okay. If this percentage of players um, spend a larger amount of money it actually ends up being better than you know a higher percentage of uh, players spending a few dollars or something this is true this is true i just worry that this is i mean again i'm barely playing it anymore anyway at this point i, mean, I had a lot right. of fun with it initially i love the campaign 
Well, but it's it's still important um, it, for. It, but it's one of these things that you know I, I just haven't been able to, to. I just haven't had the interest in keeping up with. But it makes me think that the chances of further campaign expansion, further story expansion, is pretty much nil unless right. it's coming like on June second, unless it was already in the pipeline and it's coming out with this new season. I can't imagine us getting any more story content. We got the main game, and then we got resurrection, and I would imagine that's it. Yeah. Um. I mean, it seems like I remember seeing something about them talking about, uh, uh, I can't think of her name now, but the daughter. I, I want to say I, I heard something along the lines, but maybe that was speculation, um, but that they had kind of mentioned, you know, some missions uh, that you could do with the daughter. And, and now maybe that's for Battlefront 3. Maybe that was just speculation of the article. Uh, or maybe I'm a crazy person. Any one of these are, are viable options. Uh so, you know, I can't remember. I'd have to look into that. But my gut says that at this point, they're, um, you know, they're just basically uh, cutting and uh, looking to move on to the next thing, whatever that may be. You know, uh, is mm-hmm. that the next Star Wars game? Is that, you know, the next game period and, and they're done with Star Wars. I, I don't know. Um, you know, that that's sort of the thing is I think a lot of um, these rumors have been bred out of the silence, you know? Um, right. So right. Yeah, because they haven't said anything. Like part of the thing that's, that's getting the community very frustrated right now is, you know, yeah, you haven't given us a schedule for after June 1st, but you also haven't even hinted at what it'll be. Right. If there is anything, after, I mean, surely there will be, but if there is anything after June 1st, it's it's kind of... It's kind of surprising, which I guess begs the question, uh, at least the last thing that I would probably ask on this particular topic, which is you and I have talked a lot about the change of the the model and the financing of it. And where does the money come from to keep a game going and why move to seasons of free content instead of paid DLC and such? Um, Given the seemingly shortened lifespan of this Battlefront then… Um, would it have been better for them to not do microtransactions, not have run into that controversy, and simply have said, we're going to go to regular paid DLC and treat it exactly like we did the first game? Should they have just followed the Battlefront 1 model, or were the changes still worth it enough that even with the controversy and the drop-off, they made the right decision to at least not maybe not the way they did it but at least to move away from the old model uh i say no i think the old model would have been more advantageous for them because where fans wouldn't particularly care for it it's nothing that they wouldn't expect it wouldn't break the internet right right this was something that sort of i think uh surprised people and you know them actually being able to lay it out um, like that was enough to kind of shock, uh, you know, the player base and, and even further. So no, I would say that the, uh, doing it the old way where not a good way by any means still would have been better than what they switched to. Okay. I I think I'm in agreement on that one. I mean, it, Mm -hmm makes me wonder what the prices of such new DLC would have been because the prices tended to keep inching their way upward but but yeah though if they hadn't if they hadn't tied progression and microtransactions together at the beginning if they had started with essentially the model they have now i think it probably would have been a better decision but it may not also have been financially viable enough because people are much more likely to buy 
new maps and game modes and such than they are to be spending 20 bucks on a costume. Right. Right. So I don't know, you know, I'm trying to look and see, um, you know, where, uh, EA does most of their announcements and stuff, um, to try to determine, okay, you know, are we sort of at a point, um, so what what it's looking like though is maybe E3 is coming up soon, I think. Am I wrong in that? Um or is um E3 comes up in June. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Cuz it starts so, on my mom's birthday and the day that Trump and North Korea are supposed to be talking. Oh. July uh June 12th. All right. Um so you know, with, with that being the case, sorry, I couldn't remember if, if we've already had it pass or if it's uh, is hitting. Um, they do tend to have announcements there, so I would say, yeah, let's let's see come next month what they say, and let's you know see. I mean, maybe we're we're about to get multiple announcements. I mean, that often happens quite a bit. So, uh, but if we get nothing Star Wars based at E three, I think that is almost just as telling as. Um, if they were to announce something, <laughs> so we'll see, yeah. we'll see what happens there. But, you know, currently I, I, I gotta say the, it's, it's a bit depressing at the silence because with us being in the new Renaissance of Star Wars, um, and knowing the fantastic games that we've had in the past, it really does stink to know that, you know what, we're not getting, you know, it's not even a, a situation of we're not getting great games. We're just hardly getting any games. And, yep. you know, it's like, I would almost um, prefer it if they at least put out some different games, uh, you know, something other than just a shooter type game, and it not really be a major hit, uh, not be something that I, I particularly love, but at least to try something, you know, so. Yep. The situation is very grim, Fandango. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... Uh, <laughs> At least, at least we do have some huge news coming from the tabletop, at least. Yes, we do. Uh, huge news! New announcements and new releases for Legion. Wait, that's not what he was talking about, although <laughs> there have been. Um, we do have uh, the recent release of General Veers and Snowtroopers, we should mention. Um, we do have upcoming releases for the Rebels, so right now it's sort of leaning Imperial. We do have the two new maps for Legion that just came out. And we do have the announcement of Boba Fett and Scout Troopers for the Empire for Legion as well. Scout Troopers being the first Special Forces group we're going to see uh, for the Empire. And then Boba Fett being a new operative type that isn't even a unit type that is in the game manual at all. So they're already introducing a new type uh, out there. But we'll talk more about that probably in an upcoming episode once a, a lot of the bigger news isn't isn't sucking all the oxygen out of the room, which is... Something that I didn't see coming, but maybe I should have. Yeah, I think this is a this is definitely a it's a it's in retrospect it's like oh well okay then uh, that folks is X Wing Second Edition, or which is sort of it's kind of like saying <laughs> X Wing Third Edition sort of because they did kind of give us the revised core set back when Force Awakens came out, but that was just a revised core set. Right. This is a revised game basically so um to give kind of just the general gist of what's going on here um before we get deeper into it here um essentially what we have 
is that they're retooling the game to do things like uh, change the way maneuvering works to some degree, um, refining the targeting system, for instance, so now there is sort of a, a, a precision fire zone, so to speak, and not just the wide triangular uh, arc of fire that you can have. Um, the force is being introduced into the game really for the first time, and they're doing all this in a way to sort of, sort of reinvigorate the game uh, use some of the lessons that have been learned since the launch of the game back in, what, 2012 now, six years ago. And it looks like they're doing it in about as as consumer-friendly a way as possible, it seems, mm -hmm. um, in that they are, they're going to be re-releasing every X-Wing ship except for the repaints from stuff like Imperial Aces and whatnot. Um the ones that are still coming out for Wave 14, like Saw's Renegades, are actually going to have 2.0 and 1.0 version stuff um, in the box, so you don't have to rebuy anything. And if you've got a ton of X-Wing ships already, there are faction-specific conversion kits that they're going to be selling. And the conversion kits include all the 2.0 materials you're going to need, except for a new mini, so that you can get everything you need to play with your old minis in the second edition. Um, from a physical standpoint, there are going to be some small model tweaks, like um, you're going to be able to open up the wings on the X-Wings. That's now, great. I've heard lots of people. Um, which is cool. Yeah, Very cool. Yeah, lots of people um, wanted that, and lots of people have went ahead and already, already did done it, yeah. that themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, I'd say there's two things that kind of stand out to me as the unusual things. One being that um, they are making some tweaks to factions. Um, so, for instance, Slave 1 is only going to be Scum and Villainy now. But the different factions are going to play differently they're going to be a little more specialized to certain play styles right. um they have also said that um first order and resistance will no longer be sort of subsets of uh, empire and rebels they're going to be full-blown factions in and of themselves which is interesting yeah um, that's but they haven't they they have basically said that the conversion kits for those aren't going to come until the second wave of material. So the first wave is basically here's two ships, like say X-Wing and Y-Wing. Here's two ships, the conversion kit and uh, the maneuver dial uh, upgrade kits for this faction. And the same thing for this faction and then this faction over here as the first wave. And then further waves will be these updated second edition versions of all these previous miniatures, presumably with material that you would also see within the conversion kits. And that second wave would have first order and resistance conversion kits. Until eventually, basically, in theory, they could start rolling out new ships, like maybe when we see more with, with future films or, or yeah. something. But it's a refinement done in a way that doesn't render all of your old stuff obsolete, which is a big thing. Yeah, well, even though it kind of does. Um, it's just that the, you can well, still it, render, your... it renders your cards and stuff obsolete, but the yeah. minis that you already have, you don't have to repurchase the mini if you don't want to. Right, right. And, you can use a conversion kit instead. Right. And, and they, a conversion kit is pretty big and covers a lot of ships, mm -hmm. so it's saving you a fair amount of money. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, like I said, I, I'm not trying to be totally negative with that. I'm just being realistic, but also, you know, whatever. I So, as a whole, I am very happy with this. Um, I, ha I mean, we haven't talked about it much on on the podcast but i want to say that's because it's it's a relatively new situation as in like something that's happened in the past 
few months. I, I wouldn't say, you know, in the past year, I would say maybe the last six months tops, but I, I could be wrong on my dates. Uh, I've not been as active in X-Wing uh, in the last year or so as I would like to be, uh, but, uh, you know, knock on wood as, as some things have uh, started to pan out a little better um, now that I actually get two days off every week, stuff like that. Um, that gives me a lot more time and is going to allow me to uh, get back more active with X-Wing. Um, but nonetheless, I know that the big thing is that stuff like Brobots um, has pretty much um, come in and that's been the uh, the one thing everybody uses because of the way that the game has went recently. If you want to win you know, hey, that's the list you got to play, which is, and of course, Robots is uh, the two IG-2000s, which is two uh, IG-88 ships. So, um, you know, with that, that kind of makes the play uh, a lot more, uh, you know, it's not as diverse and it's not as fun. Uh, Fantasy Flight has always been about, hey, we want we don't want to see everyone playing the same list or even the same handful of lists. We want to see, you know, everyone playing something different. And in the past, that has been the case. You may see variations of lists, but they they've all been quite different, you know. And and that um I, you know, I'll, I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna call me a shill for something, I, I always try to stand behind Fantasy Flight. Uh I I very rarely uh, had any sort of complaints with them. And for the most part, I've always said, well, this wasn't great, but you know, I, I kind of understand why, or you know what? They're really good about saying we made a mistake. We're going to fix it and everything. So, you know, take that with, with what it is. Um, but I think this time they've decided, you know what? This is a very popular game. We've kind of, uh, we've kind of put ourselves in a situation where we have to make drastic changes because if we keep going this way, the game will die. And, you know, I don't want that to happen because it, it has been a great and fun game, very popular. And, you know, but there, there's been changes, you know, uh, they originally only had two factions um, you know, just stuff like that. They, they also used to have much less maneuvers. You know, they didn't have stuff like the K-turns or the, uh, um, sorry, wait, K-turns, no, K-turns were original. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting some of my stuff mixed up now. Um, the, uh, oh gosh, no, I can't, I can't think of it. It's the S point being there were less, uh, maneuvers in the game that a ship could make. And then as, um, more ships came out, then they had those maneuvers, but yet your old ships can't make those maneuvers. So doing a complete reboot at this point um, allows everything to have, you know, every single ship across the board to have the same opportunities. And, you know, on top of that, looking at the ships and everything, there's also a lot more possibilities on each dial. Uh, I, I'm thought about counting them up, but I was like, no, that's going to be kind of hard because it's in a circle. Uh, but to my eyes, at least it looks like they probably, um, have like another, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, if, if they had like, I don't know, nine movement options before now they've got like 
13 or something like that you know there's there's more possibilities of what you can do with the ship so i'm really excited about it the one thing i you know do kind of find interesting and is actually a little worrisome to me is this uh first order and resistance being its own thing now because that's going to severely limit those two factions because mm-hmm. with the um the new films there's not been a lot of new ships yeah this is true and that was one of the first things i saw when i saw that i was thinking i say so basically we can pretty much guarantee that what we can expect is that new ships are going to have to start filling in first order and resistance because Mm -hmm. otherwise those are always going to be essentially if not underpowered factions just factions with not nearly as much in terms of options for play um, other things that that I did want to make sure we mentioned because there are some other things that are interesting as far as the changes go that I, I didn't mention initially. Um, first off, what is in uh, Wave 1 for those who are curious? Um, wave 1 is going to be the second edition core set. Um, you're going to have a conversion kit for all three of the original factions, or I guess the original three because it was two and then three. Uh, Rebel Alliance, Galactic Empire, and Scum and Villainy. We're going to see a dial upgrade kits for each faction, as I mentioned, a dice pack, of course. Um, but then for the Rebels, it'll be the T 65 X Wing, the new version where the wings open, uh, plus the uh, Y Wing. For the Empire, we'll have the uh, original TIE Fighter, the TIE LN, the line TIE Fighter, uh, and the TIE Advanced X 1, not B 1. And then, of course, we have for Scum and Villainy, it'll be Slave 1, which is, again, now locked into Scum and Villainy, cannot be used by the Empire, uh, and the Fang Fighter as the initial ones for that. And Saw's Renegades, which is still on the way, and the TIE Reaper, which is still on the way, both of those uh, are considered Wave 14 of the first edition, but they will have, as I said, first and second edition content in them, so it'll let you play with either one. Um if you pre-order the core set of the new game, either through Fantasy Flight or it says your favorite retailer, you'll still get it. So maybe it's packed in with like the first copies they send out of the game, kind of like they do with a lot of deck building games that I pick up. Um, there's a special T65 X-Wing damage deck you can get that basically is the exact same damage deck you'll be using otherwise. But just in case you're actually using it on your X-Wing, um, at the bottom it's, it's got this cool art that sort of shows you what mm-hmm. part of the ship is being damaged by each of the damage types, which is kind of neat. Yeah, and, and just um, to clarify, that's not like if only if you're flying an X-Wing. So if you're like, no, nah, I'm a right, TIE Fighter yeah. player, you, you still use this, it's just artwork you know it's yeah the art is the art is the x-wing to show you where on a ship would get hit but otherwise yeah otherwise it's identical um the things that stand out to me otherwise though um is and and they kind of link together here okay and and i did want to get into well okay this is that's going to be a bigger topic let me hit the conversion kits first um very quickly what's in the conversion kits in terms of how much does it cover it covers a lot uh, rebel alliance conversion kit covers three a-wings two arc 170s two azatooks Two B-Wings, two E-Wings, two Ghosts, two HWK-290s, two K-Wings, two Millennium Falcons, uh, two Phantom 1s, two Phantom 2s, two copies of Sabine's TIE Fighter, two U-Wings, two X-Wings, two Y-Wings, two YT-2400s, and four Z-95s. Galactic Empire, three Alpha-class Star Wings, three Inquisitor's TIEs, two Lambda-class Shuttles, two TIE Advanced, three TIE Aggressor, three TIE Bomber, two TIE Defender, four TIE Fighters, three TIE Interceptors, two TIE Phantoms, two TIE Punishers, 
three TIE Strikers, and two VT-49 Decimators, and then Scum and Villainy will give you two Four Houndstooth, two HWK-290s, uh, two IG-2000s, three Kirax Fighters, uh, two Kimogila Fighters, four M3A Interceptors, two Mist Hunters, three Protectorate Starfighters, two Punishing Ones, three Quad Jumpers, two Skurg H6 Bombers, two Shadow Casters, two Slave Ones, two Star Vipers, two Y-Wings, and four Z-95 Headhunters. So when we say that the conversion kits have a lot of stuff, yeah. They do, but I want to say they run like 60 bucks or something, so they darn well I, I better have I, I think a bunch 50. of stuff. But then there's the other thing, mm-hmm. okay, and that is the app. So generally the way that it works now with, with X-Wing is that you build your own squadrons, and when you're building, it's based on the points on the pilot cards – it's based on point or the, the ship cards, as they call them, uh, the points on your upgrade cards and so forth. And there's a limited number of points per game, standard being 100 and so on. Um, now, what has happened is you've seen a proliferation of great fan made uh, squad builder apps and things like that. And Fantasy Flight just did not get into that as early as they probably should have. Instead, they had their dice app, but they never really got into like an official squad builder app. Well, now they have, and it's going to be necessary for playing the game in anything but a quick match because you're at least until somebody, you know, looks at it, gets all the data out of it and makes a fan made version that's better. But basically, <laughs> it's going to let you track your ships and build your squads, but the cards themselves won't have numbers on them anymore because they're now going to allow different game modes where point totals available, and in some cases, what co- the cost is for specific cards will change based on the game mode. So if you're going to be playing competitively or building your own squadron in a, in a detailed way, you're going to be stuck using Fantasy Flight Games' own app, which, granted, looks like it's going to be pretty cool, so you may want to use it. But it is going to sort of push people towards their app rather than fan-made ones that are already out there, uh, or their website, because you'll be able to use a web-based version of the same thing. Um, But in order to accommodate this, given the fact that some people just want to pick them up and play and not have to use the app, if you want to play just a quick match, they've got these new quick match cards that are basically a pilot and a set group of upgrades already decided upon for a certain threat level on those quick match cards, and you would basically go to a friend and be like, okay, well, let's play a quick game. What threat level do you want to use? And then you would use that threat level to determine which ships you could use with their quick match cards instead of using the app to actually build a full-sized squadron. So it's an interesting way of sort of changing things around, but there's a part of me that's kind of old school and is thinking I kind of wish they had stuck with just the points on the cards because it seems as though... That's more the type of game I would play. I'm not going to be playing competitively. And that means that if I'm stuck using Quick Match for a quicker game, then instead of just being able to pull it together using just the points looking at the cards, it's limiting my options because these are cards with upgrades pre-assigned. I mean, it's an interesting way of approaching it to sort of give us, uh, you know, you must use the app because the app's going to do this cool stuff and yet still let us play Quick Matches. But it just seems as though... For someone who leans toward quick matches, it's not going to be nearly as fun or robust an experience as it used to be. Whereas if you're playing competitively, it's going to be easier to track and give you more options. So it depends on your type of player whether the app and the effect on quick matches is going to be a good thing or a crappy thing. Yeah, I need to to do more research into that. Um, Honestly, this is 
just not something I've, I've paid any real attention to just because I've been more interested um, in, in just, you know, what uh, changes are, are happening with the actual ships and, and rules that way and everything. So I've not, well, can paid... I give you, an, can I give you an example? Okay, sure. Real quick. So say you've got, um, and then this is the example they use on their website, but say you're trying to do a quick match. Uh, so you grab Luke Skywalker. Okay. Luke Skywalker is going to come as a threat level three and is going to automatically have instinctive aim, R2D2 proton torpedoes and servo motor S foils. And then you've got, Red Squadron veteran who is threat two, and it's like different tick marks to tell you threats one through five, uh, that automatically has Predator, Servo Motor X, S foils, and R5 Astromech on it. And together that would give you a five threat squadron made of just those two ships. So they're significantly smaller games uh, for these quick matches. But yeah, Luke's four, they're good. But they're already decided upon. Red Squadron veteran, decent, but again, already decided upon. And it's these, and it's just these new card types. Like it's, it's a type of card we've never seen before. Um, if you go and look at the uh, uh, the Fantasy Flight Games website, it's the May first news article called X Wing Second Edition that announces a lot of these changes, has the video about it, uh, shows what's coming, but also actually gives you examples of what the app's going to look like and what those um, quick match cards are going to look like. I mean, it's, it's a you know, cool idea, but, or sorry, not quick match, quick build. They call it, but okay. yeah, quick match mode. Yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, we'll have to see to see how, like, if that's the only way, or if if you know you'll be able to go. Yeah, what well, I want to build, what I I want to build, um, and then sort of, I just I can't see how it could be like this mystery, because I mean, when you're building your army. Or, or your list, it's not like you're going to be like, well, I have no idea how much this stuff's going to be worth, so let me just start plugging stuff in, and then I'll go, oh, it fits, you know? Um, so there's got to be some sort of, a, you know, a, a formula that people will figure out, and it's not going to be that much of an issue, I don't think. But like I said, I'll, I'll look into it more and try to understand it a little bit better as uh, we get closer, I guess. Sounds about right, man. Only way to know for sure is when we actually use it. Yep. Uh, I can, I will say too, I'm actually really happy that, um, and, and I, which of course it's, it's the thing that makes the most sense, right? I'm glad that what they decided to do was to say, all right, you want to um, do your upgrades. Well, we're not going to say here is a conversion pack and it's going to have, you know, some stuff from all three factions or, or whatever. This is, um, you know, this is a situation of you want to con convert them. Okay, this is going to have almost everything. Uh, and I would say for most cases, like listening to it, you know, obviously like I, there for a while I was doing like three Trandoshan Slavers, but that's not something that they ever really wanted people to be playing with. And uh, it's not something that's, you know, been widely popular. But for the most part, I think that one, um, one conversion kit per faction is going to be all you need. Um, and then further, with X-Wing, people play one list. So I think that uh, with this, people are going to, or, or at least you can, if you say, you know what? I'm I'm a rebels player, right? 
So I'm just going to get the Rebels faction right now. So you don't have to say, ah, 2.0 is coming out. That means I've got to buy all three. You know, I got to drop $150 right now. You don't have to do that. You can just drop the the 50 bucks for the one uh, conversion kit and keep moving. Okay. So what else do we have, if anything? I know you got a new uh, toy recently you wanted to talk about that is somehow related to tabletop gaming. I'm kind of afraid of what that might be, the way you <laughs> described it. Um, so what's going on on your front? You, something is going to enhance your tabletop experience. What is that? Yeah. So, uh, especially with, you know, stuff like, uh, Legion and having to assemble the, the miniatures and paint the miniatures yourself. Uh, one thing that's absolutely great for that is a airbrush gun and, you know, like an, a full airbrush system. And now it's like I said, as of this recording, uh, it hasn't arrived yet. It will be arriving tomorrow. Um, but I actually have a, a setup on its way. And that's going to mean that I theoretically should be able to start painting a lot of uh, my miniatures and stuff um, a lot more easily. And also, hopefully, um, you know, it'll be a lot cleaner and, and nicer looking when it's done. Very cool. Very cool. Not something I'm ever going to try, but but you are you are a braver man than I when it comes to that sort of thing. Well, I mean, I've I've done like I said actual brush painting and stuff like that. The the thing with uh brush painting that I don't like is that I mean, you still see the brush strokes, right? Like even if you're you thin your stuff down and everything, um it's just I don't know, you, you don't quite get that nice smooth um paint job like like things look like from the factory um you you see the actual brush strokes and stuff and it it's um gets clumpy and at worst it's i've um what i've heard it described as is ashing um which uh it kind of almost looks like a um like a bomb was dropped or something and your your mini was there and they survived it and does that make sense at all, or am I getting really far afield with this uh, metaphor? Um, I kind of makes sense. Yeah, so it's you know it looks like uh, the the miniatures almost covered in ash, um, and that happens a lot of times when um, when you're hand painting, and especially if you don't quite know what you're doing. But I mean, even even if you do, I mean, I've had uh, in attempts before just stuff being a little more frustrating. Um, you know the the piece that I was working on or whatever, uh, I've had that happen to me and I'm just like, crap, I have to now go through all the trouble of cleaning this off and starting over. And it is infuriating. So, uh, switching over to, to this is, is going to, uh, hopefully stop that. But you know, it, it does come with its own frustrations. Um, just, just simply looking up what you need, and, and making sure, because I wanted to make sure that I didn't go, sweet, let me just grab this kit here, and I'm going to jump right in and, and get going, and then realize that, oh, no, I need to do way more research and, um, and you know, actually figure out some stuff beforehand. So, for instance, um, like one thing that I, I've seen is that uh, a major importance of, of airbrushing is constantly cleaning your um, your actual brush and cleaning it well 
and um, because if you don't, you can actually start to to damage um, pieces in it, and um, specifically the the needle. So, you know, I made sure. Okay, let me make sure I have the right cleaner. Let me make sure I have um, you know a, a regulator um, and all of that. Let me make sure that I'm not just buying a uh, a compressor because they said this is the good you know this is a good compressor you need to go with and just go okay cool and then spending a lot of extra money on that and you know stuff like that for so uh, my thing is I wanted to inform myself enough to get something that's going to work and be good but not paying a lot of extra money because I didn't know any better if that makes sense that does make sense. Although I understand you are talking to somebody who still glues his fingers together when he's putting the minis together. So, just <laughs> saying, may, might be a little bit, uh, might be a little bit over my head. But yeah, that's sound advice. Yep. So, um, yeah, like I said, hopefully that's going to go well. That's all that should show up tomorrow. And like I said, it's either going to go well or it's not. And if it's not, uh, expect some colorful. Were you know more colorful, colorfully worded uh, tweets <laughs> coming from my account, possibly. Now, now, no need to be uncivilized. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's all I've got as far as uh, gaming news and, yeah. and things go. You got anything? Anything new happening with you? Or uh, no, I would just say that um, the one thing that I would. Mention that didn't get mentioned when we were talking about the new X-Wing edition. Um, they are going to premiere it at Gen Con, which is in August, and then it's supposed to actually drop um, for regular sales with the first wave on September 13th. So we're actually not very far out from the second edition uh, yet. So we have that to look forward to. And then again, June 2nd is the first day that's not on the solo season calendar. So if there's going to be more solo season content... Expect it probably around that time. So just to give some folks things to look forward to before traveling to Chicago for Celebration Chicago or whatever they're going to call it. That's right. And speaking of September, if you're going to Dragon Con, come and see me. And also speaking of September, I will not be going to Dragon Con because we will be having the baby right around that time. But that's cooler. So, but it, yeah. But how cool would it be if you had your baby at Dragon Con? No, I don't. I don't want to have the baby <laughs> at Dragon Con because there would be people immediately trying to get the baby drunk. So no, that'd probably be bad. Eh, but it'd be a good story <laughs> for the <laughs> probation officer. <laughs> That's true. So uh, I think we'll close on that. Really um, interesting and probably horrifying uh, image, at least. Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, That's okay. So so by the time we speak next, I will have seen Solo 2 and we'll actually be able to talk about it. So I guess we should just let people know that I, our next episode, expect Solo. Solo talk. Yeah. So, I mean. No, it won't be Solo talk because if it's Solo talk, then you'll just record by yourself or I'll record by myself. What if we both record by ourselves, try to anticipate what the other one's going to talk about, and then we'll put the two together? That would be completely unfair because all you would have to do is assume that you're going to get interrupted by sarcastic crap. And then I will have to assume that you're going to say something actually relevant, and that will make your job much more easier than mine. I guess, but I mean, I feel like I have shenanigans too. I don't know. We're never going to do it, so why are we even... <laughs> exactly. Uh, but 
if, if you think that's a good idea and you want some of these interesting uh, <laughs> takes on the show, uh, like the one I actually proposed to Nate beforehand, which is his wife is uh, in the same room with him, but she can't hear me because he's wearing headphones. And I'm like, well, maybe she should just, um, you know, based on the conversation, just write down what she thinks I'm saying. And then I'll record that dialogue and then drop it in with Nate's audio and we'll release a, an alternate episode. That would be interesting, right? Uh, not, not, not really. <laughs> if you think so, then write although to it, us. Although, although I would have laughed if, if the uh, response was, well, what he said mostly was wah, 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 or something like that. That would have been funny. Look, it doesn't matter what she writes down. I, I would completely record it to, <laughs> to accuracy of what she writes down. Um, oh, now there, there is some blackmail waiting to happen for you. Hey, I, I have Get no you shame. into all kinds of trouble by making you say all kinds of stuff that you shouldn't be saying. I have no shame, though, Nate. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> As my wife tells me every day. Um, so anyhow, if you want to write to us and tell us how I have no shame or Nate's stuff, tell him congrats on the baby, whatever. Send him, ask him info for baby shower. Send him some prezzies. I don't know. I don't know how babies work. The, the little automated flash PowerPoint things? Prezzies? No, I was talking about like presents. Oh, okay. Well, that, that that's different. The kids not say prezzies anymore? Or I don't it? know that kids have ever said prezzies. <laughs> Maybe that's just a me thing. <laughs> so anyway. could very well be. <laughs> hey, uh, message us. You know, send us an email over at uh, cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Or, you know, if you're like, that's way too much, I'll just send you a tweet and be like, hey, stupid, shut up. Uh, Cloud City Casino, uh, just there. Use that at symbol. Um, and then of course we, uh, are on the Facebook page at, uh, cloud city casino and then, uh, starwarsreport.com and you can find us there. I can be found just at Morris Isley on both, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And Nate's got some places. Uh, yes, I do have some places. It's an interesting way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> yes. So. If you want to find my uh, YouTube content, it's youtube.com slash user slash Chrono Radio, or I think just slash Chrono Radio will do it now. Just recently put up some video reviews of uh, three of the more recent releases for the Star Wars RPG from Fantasy Flight. I've got videos up of uh, various new releases, including Veers and the Snowtroopers for Legion and things like that, along, of course, with things like from the Star Wars Home Video Library and stuff all over there. Uh, you can find me with Mark Herleman on Star Wars Beyond the Films, which is also hosted right there alongside Cloud City Casino at StarWarsReport.com. Our most recent episode was the one on fandom toxicity. I think it's such a very uh, important episode just from a discussion generation standpoint. We're hoping to do one on feedback about that issue uh, coming up in the very near future. You can find my book, A Saga on Home Video, a fan's guide to U.S. Star Wars home video releases, over on uh, Amazon and elsewhere at this point. Uh, and, of course, my Star Wars Timeline Gold, which is ending this year, as over at StarWarsFanWars.com slash timeline. And most of those projects have some type of Facebook presence uh, in some form or another if you just search their names. Cool, cool. And also, uh, if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to us on, uh, you know, wherever your podcatcher that you use. We're on all of them. Uh, but go on there and leave a review especially on iTunes. We have not gotten one in so long. Uh, we'll read that out and, you know, give you a, a, a thank you because that helps us a lot. Um, other than that, really only have one other thing to say, Nate. What's that? That thing we always end the show with. <laughs>
Say that. Let the Wookiee win. Yeah, that's the one. Especially if he's seen Solo first and is threatening to spoil it if you don't let him win. Yeah, what a goober. I know. But it's okay because you're not a Wookiee anymore because you, you, you got rid of the main. That is true. It is much uh, much cooler now. <laughs> I am not sweating quite as profusely. I still sweat a lot. I am a sweater, dude. But uh, not as in like a, a dude who wears sweaters, but like a dude who sweats a lot. It's probably look much nicer i guess it depends on the sweater as long as i'm not wearing like a wesley crusher sweater damn it i broke my own rule wow that was way more than anybody ever needed to know about your grooming habits (laughs) this party's over